The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Masters, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, August 9th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Please welcome my co-host, Millie Wood. Hello, listeners. And Professor X. Not rock and roll, Jeff. I know, right? Let's jump into our discussion of Season 6, Episode 11, which was titled The Final Frame, and aired August 8th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. When the Legends track down another alien pod, they find a device that transports them to a cosmic bowling alley. Before consulting Sarah, Astra, and Rory, Spooner makes a bet against the reigning champs for a ride back to the Wave Rider, but not everyone is happy about the plan when they realize what they are up against. Elsewhere, Nate plans a romantic date for him and Zari, but nothing goes as planned. Meanwhile, Bayrod and Gary try to distract Ava from what's going on with wedding planning kind of sort of accurate until we get towards the end. Okay, so let's talk about this. This was the directorial debut of Jess McCallan, our very own Ava Sharp. This was um, a bowling episode with the fate of the world. Uh, We're back from a hiatus. Uh, I don't believe that we'll have any more hiatuses uh, until we get to the season finale. I believe there, there are 15 episodes or 16 this season, so we only have a handful left. Uh, let's talk about, actually, the cliffhanger where we left things off last time. Because in the two weeks, which felt like a decade, that we were off. There was, I believe it was Virtual Comic Con, so a lot of deets came out about Legends of Tomorrow Season 7, and a big confirmation, I think, for where, like, our conversation was going last time, uh, you know, I think we got 100% confirmation as to what we were thinking last time. So, let's talk about Constantine. That's where we're going. We learned over the break that Matt Ryan will not be returning as Constantine on Legends in Season 7, but he will be still a part of the cast as a brand new character. Whether he's a comic book character or not, stay tuned. Uh, We were discussing the fact that Constantine is, you know, sucking down 
vampire blood or whatever the hell that was to make his, you know, to, to channel in the dark magic. So clearly Constantine is going to die. It, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that as a fact, I'm assuming. Based off of this episode, we saw him just continue to tap into the darker arts and continue to chug that uh, viscous red gobbledygook. So, is Constantine going to be the big bad for the next half, for, for the rest of the season? I'm just curious. Like, what did y'all think of, I don't know if both of you heard the news about Matt Ryan. What do you think of that? What do you think of where Constantine is headed? He's clearly going to die. Right, Professor? I don't think so. I think Constantine is too much of a name character for them to kill him off uh, on Legends. Um, you know, because uh, admittedly, you know, the DC extended universe, you know, the movies are one thing and, you know, uh, TV shows. But there has been talk about bringing Constantine back, uh, you know, in, in a series or, or other form. So I don't know that they'd kill him. Um, I think that, you know, they, they are setting up uh, maybe not the big bad. I still don't know how I feel about that. I know I speculated on it last time. Um, and certainly the way he behaved in this episode would, would play that up. He's becoming more reckless with the use of his powers. He's becoming more dependent. So again, the idea of, you know, this, uh, this blood stuff, uh, being the source of his magic and that being, you know, an analogy for, uh, you know, uh, drug dependence and he's, he's behaving uh, a bit more like an addict. Um, I think that, you know, they, they could just end it with, uh, because, you know, John Costine, much as he tries to be, you know, part of the team and all of that, he, he hasn't been. And, you know, as I've said before, that's the problem that he does draw so much of the storyline away from the other characters. But I think that, you know, because they've consistently played him like that, he could be the character at the end of the season who let's say, you know, he no longer has access to this blood and he's left without magic or he finds the font of Imperium and gets his powers. Uh, and he's the one who can say to the legends, Hey, F you guys, I'm out of here. Um, and, uh, and, and that would be true to his character. Um, but that said, you know, I do love the fact that, you know, that Matt Ryan will still be around and we'll get to see him playing something else because how good has this show been at taking characters and giving them a different character, taking actors and giving them a different character to play. Uh, and, you know, still maintaining that, that great sense of the chemistry of the cast, uh, but allowing them to play differently. It gives the writer something else to do. It gives all the characters, someone else to play off of. And it's been very good. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Matt Ryan can play. That's not Constantine. So yeah, to sum it up, I don't think they're going to kill him. Uh, but I think, yeah, writing him off by the end of the, uh, the season makes sense. Okay. The professor decided to take the two-week hiatus to think about rainbows and unicorns and lollipops. Let's go to a killer. Millie. They're clearly going to kill him, right? I'm just asking because I heard what the professor said. And you know what? It might actually be kind of interesting to have Constantine at the end of, you know, four or five episodes, you know, maybe finding the fountain, maybe actually getting real magic back and not you know, have to juice with uh, whatever it is he's chugging um, and, and sort of depart gracefully in a very mysterious Constantini kind of way. But the only wrinkle in that for me is they had him develop a relationship with Zari 2.0. She's in the totem. She's not there to sort of see Constantine spiraling. I'm sure she will be a part of maybe the despiralization of the situation. But, because they set up the romance, wouldn't it be a, a, smoother, um, a, a smoother way to sort of, you know, 
end this Constantine arc by just killing him, then um, wouldn't it be a little bit of a richer arc for Zari 2.0 to have to mourn him versus mourning a relationship that sort of just ends, maybe? I think it would make sense. I feel like if you're going to have him play another character, it's better just to have, like, a clean cut, don't leave the door open for, like, he might come back, he might not, like, park him somewhere kind of thing. Like, just kill him. You get, like you said, more storyline. There's a lot of good things that you can explore. Um, I think it would be interesting to see that, like, chapter close, and then you can really fully embrace whoever they create for Matt Ryan in the next season. All right. So Millie wants Constantine to die. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I like that she's not denying it. Professor, do you have a rebuttal? Or, or what do you, because I, I sort of added into the question the idea that he is in a relationship with Zari 2.0. So does that at all weigh what you said about how Constantine departs sort of gracefully? Does that weigh things in a different way? Well, I think dramatically speaking, uh, you know, it, it, you know, the, the whole, you know, killing the loved one is, is honestly, it's a bit of a cliche um, to have him basically say, you know, uh, if it comes down to and, and, you know, again, in the real world situation of, you know, he's might be in a situation where it's where Zari 2.0 says it, it's me or this stuff that you're drinking and him going, hey, got to have the magic. Uh, you know, I love that more than I love you, uh, which would be crushing and horrifying and, and you know, soul destroying. But more real world than just killing a character because it's uh, it's more convenient to kill them. So I think it would be much more interesting uh, for Zari 2.0 to to be dealing with that, uh, you know, uh, next season than uh, than the simple oh we killed uh, the person that you loved. I think that that's actually more of a long term um, a pain uh, and for something for her to play off of that I think would be much more interesting than just killing him. Okay, I like that argument as well. Uh, I honestly, I don't know what they're going to do, so I don't, I don't have, a, I haven't put a wager in in Vegas or anything. Um, it is going to be great that Matt Ryan is sticking around. I feel like all of this is happening because of DC and the fact that they are creating a Constantine series for HBO Max, so much like their little Suicide Squad type of thing and Amanda Waller many, 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 many years ago, six years, in fact, ago, uh, over on Arrow, had to be disbanded. Um, yeah, so thank you, DC Comics, for, you know, ruining a good thing. Or, or maybe not. We'll have to wait and see what happens next season. So let's talk about the general concept of this episode. The legends are tracking down, uh, I believe the synopsis said it was another alien pod, but it's actually their final alien pod. So this is the last alien pod that got dispersed into the timeline. It's in Kansas City, Kansas? Or, yeah, can well, no, it's Kansas City, Missouri, right? Because they they were able to say Kansas. that. Kansas City, Kansas? Is there a Kansas City in Kansas? Kansas. Yes. The reason they chose the joke that we're not in Kansas anymore. Correct. That's why I thought the Kansas City, but I didn't notice if it was in Kansas, but because it, it's Kansas City. But anyway, Sid, I'm a KS. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I didn't pay attention. Thank you. Um, so they track it down to Kansas City, 
and there's a cube in there. Everyone touches the cube. It's glowing different colors. They don't really notice it because they're arguing over this damn cube. And once uh, Sarah touches it, it's Sarah, Astro, Rory, and Spooner. They're transported into this cosmic bowling alley where they basically have to fight to A, escape the, the, the bowling alley, but also escape with uh, Earth uh, as the prize. So... Let's talk about this, because this was crazy. Uh, when did you all realize that the stakes were higher than we initially thought? Billy? I was embarrassingly slow to the, picking up how high the stakes were. So um, not until the Legends also realized how high the stakes were. Really? Well, I mean, I'm not going to say I figured it out from the beginning, like when he snapped his fingers and, you know, the ball appeared. But I figured out just maybe a little bit before that. You really, you figured out until the legends were like, oh shit, then Millie was like, oh shit. Yes. Okay, well that's lovely. Professor, when did you figure it out? Uh, I figured it out when the red shirts lost. And by the way, little Star Trek shout out there, you know, the uh, anonymous red shirts dying. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, as soon as he put the ball up there, I realized, oh, that's their planet. Yeah, there were a whole lot of planets there. Sarah should have just rolled them. Hopefully she did just roll them out like she did Earth. Something they didn't really deal with is, you know, that that nice owner of the shop. You know, are all those planets going back? Were they all killed? Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah a little, uh, you know, much happy though we are, as we are, that uh, the legend survived and that Earth survived. Uh, what about all those other planets? I know, right? Yes, uh, I, I agree with you on that, buddy. What are you doing with those planets? So the overall storyline, I would say, was kind of fun because we got to see these four of the legends basically um, not have any team spirit at the start of the episode and sort of grow into having team spirits, you know, through, what was it, nachos, cherry coke, cherry for Sarah because of the whole cherry alien thing beers and 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 bonding uh, there was the little storyline that rory had in this episode it was so small if you blinked you would have missed it but it was incredibly important for the character so rory and spooner butt heads uh, throughout the entire episode uh, she's really into bowling, and he's wearing his gloves. She's like, you shouldn't wear those gloves to bowl, this, that, or the other. And Rory ends up opening up to Spooner as to why he wears the gloves. And it's because, you know, it's a, a gruesome reminder of his arsonistic past. And uh, Spooner ends up creating a compromise so that he can bowl a little bit better. But it was a tiny little moment, but it, it worked. Professor, what would you think of that small little Rory revelation. Uh, you know, we've always seen him with the gloves, and I don't think it's ever been a story point until now, six and a half seasons into it, or, you know, six, yeah, six and a half seasons into it. Yeah, no, I think that was a, a good reveal because, yeah, it is something I have noticed is that, you know, the character always wears gloves, even when he's typing and stuff like that, which, uh, you know, uh, wouldn't make sense. Uh, and so to to get that little payoff and to have it be him opening up to Spooner, you know, the new person, and especially in this context of the person who's, uh, you know, he's finding the most annoying uh, to be around in this episode uh, was good. Again, it shows the, uh, you know, a little bit of the maturation of uh of uh 
of Mick, but also, you know, uh, Spooner coming up with the, the solution to allow him to, you know, preserve uh, the wearing of the gloves uh, while still finding a way around it. And, you know, sort of that, you know, legends uh, attitude of, you know, tweaking things to to make them work uh, no matter how crazy they are. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really, yeah, I found it uh, you know surprisingly touching that those two characters uh, would be the ones to to make that connection in that way. Yeah, it was interesting. Once again, it's the legends pairing up characters and, and just seeing what happens. And this is what happened. And uh, they actually did a really good job with that, even though it was, once again, a small moment, but uh, a really impactful one for Rory. Especially, you know, because we know our time with Rory is, is limited. You know, he is not going to have a series regular presence in the next season. So they're giving him some really good moments. Um, Astra was interesting in this episode as well. I mean, she was basically Astra, sort of, uh, you know, even though she's from hell, but she was a bit of an ice queen in this episode. But she did loosen up, and, and she she her heart thawed, and she warmed up to the team by the end of it. So, Millie, your thoughts on Astra? I know you haven't been the biggest fan of hers, but what did you think of how they used her in this episode? You know, I'm still not the biggest fan of her, but I do like how she got to play an important role. Um, I do think, like you said, that the ice is slowly thawing. And I don't know if it's just I can't get behind the character or if I think the performance of the actress feels a little off for me. But uh, Or maybe I'm just not a fan of the I'm better and above you all, like, kind of holier-than-thou attitude. But I do kind of like how she was brought back and <laughs> and came to it towards the end. So she's I'm slowly, very slowly, warming up to her. Okay. All right. I can dig it. Let's go to Earth, and let's chat about Nate and Zari. So Nate, he had the best intentions, because uh, apparently Zari, uh, OG, Zari, or I think she said OZ um, in the previous episode, she only has 24 hours left before she has to poof back into the totem, and uh, he decides to take her camping, he, you know, made her favorite Persian dish, and he had a delicious donut for her, unfortunately he brought the wrong um, duffel bag, so they were left without any food. They all, he also, uh, or at least the camping site where he reserved was double booked, so he had some really annoying people that are camping with him. I believe they said they were in Alaska. And uh, also they, they hear you know these uh, radio reports that it's the end of the world, this, that, or the other. So it leads to them... To, it leads them to have a pretty important uh, chat about their relationship. Um, the the female of, of the annoying couple, she sort of, you know, says, oh, you two are long distance. Are you sure that's going to work out? Like, is that, you know, is it, is it working out for you two? Do you think it's going to last? Which sort of plants seeds of doubt into Zari's mind. And when she ends up confronting Nate about it, you know, he's basically like, it, it doesn't matter, you know, we'll always make time for each other because, it, basically what he says is because I love you. So let's talk about him. So we had a little bit of, you know, tremors in their relationship this episode, but by the end of it, it seems like they're stronger than ever, right, Professor? Yeah, 
Oh, definitely. And I think, it, you know, and, and I wonder whether, you know, this is a storyline that, you know, it, it I think it plays a little differently, you know, uh, coming out of COVID, you know, out of that past year where so many people were forced into what essentially became long distance relationships. You know, if you weren't in lockdown with the person you're with, and God knows that would be frightening and, and difficult enough, but being forced to be in long distance relationships for people, I think it ended up being very grown up. And, you know, I think, again, you look at the other two, I, I don't even remember their names, the, uh, the two young people. Um, I guess one of them was Jeff, but, yes. uh, you know, you know, if you're taking relationship advice from those two, that's obviously a mistake. They're idiots. And, you know, having, uh, you know, Zari and uh, and and uh, Nate play against that, it allowed them to really have the, the grown up, more mature take on things, uh, you know, compared to those two idiots. And also, you know, allowed Nate to have that very heartfelt moment. And, you know, I think really did establish the idea that, you know, uh, you know, if you are if you do love someone, then, hey, you'll wait for them as long as it takes. And you'll you'll put up with the fact that, you know, you can't be with them all the time uh it, it ended up you know coming across as, as a very mature take on uh, uh romance you know in a way that was you know very different from the sort of superficial and as we saw you know with the uh, the vasectomy joke uh the fact that those two with their sort of you know perfect ideal instagrammy kind of lifestyle uh actually are the ones who who don't have a relationship at all so i thought it ended up uh being quite satisfying for me and and also sort of setting up the idea that hey even if we don't see flannel zari on a regular basis it doesn't mean that the relationship is is gone and, you know because you know Nate loves her and, you know, is willing to to take what he can get in terms of, of access to her. And I thought that was, you know, a very, uh, you know, mature, uh, you know, take on that. And as I say, it, it did feel a little interesting to me coming, you know, out of COVID, whether that's the sort of storyline that they may have put in there as a little, you know, sort of quiet COVID reference. Professor, that answer was very rock and roll, I will say. Yes. Uh, that, that, yeah, that analysis is really interesting. The Internet, uh, just I, I read some comments that they think that whenever Nate, you know, ends up getting written off, you know, because it is legends, and, you know, at some point, you know, especially veterans do end up leaving, much like, you know, we previously discussed that Dominic Purcell will be leaving as a series regular at the end of the season. If he ever does leave, they could write him off into the totem. But I kind of feel like if they if they keep Nate until the very end of the series, whenever the hell that is, I think they're going to do some sort of magical whatever to have it so that Zari can come out of the totem, so that Nate and Zari can have their happy ending together in the flesh versus her being in the totem. At least that's what I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, Millie, I want to get your take on their relationship as well. What did you think of it? Were you surprised that Zari was so affected by the stranger sort of judging their relationship? Uh, but did you think that uh, that everything sort of ended in in a decent way, even though, you know, maybe there there was, uh, you know, it was an interesting road for them to go on, even though, you know, they ended up getting uh, sort of like a reaffirmation for each other at the end anyway. How do you make sense? Because like, Poor Zari is stuck in a totem most of the day with her thoughts, so I think it, it makes sense for you to doubt a lot of it. And then for just the smallest comment to, to put her over the edge makes mm -hmm. sense, even though this 
couple is crazy because <laughs> it was already there, right? So the doubt's there. It's just kind of they festered on it. So I think it was good that they had the conversation. It was very adult and, and needed in the relationship because it is a question like how do you balance this? And I think you're right in terms of this could set up for potential Nate being written off and they go maybe hang out with the totem together or something like that. Um, but I think it helps settle, you know, where's – Zari 1.0 going, where's the relationship going, kind of reaffirms that, um, you know, they are going to stick with this route and keep Nate with Zari 1.0 and then, you know, Constantine with Zari 2.0, at least for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bayrod didn't get much to do in this episode. He was paired up with Constantine, and I kind of feel like, I don't know if either of you would agree, but I think he was paired up with Constantine because he would be, like, the one character that was so aloof to Constantine, like, to not really even notice that, that he's changing. Like, he was coming up with reasons as to, oh, you're getting more powerful. Oh, it must be the Phantom of Imperium. Like, he was a little aloof, and I, I think that's the reason why they paired him up with him. I mean, Bayright's storyline for the episode was pretty much creating the perfect edible. Uh, and that was really it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if anyone has anything to say. Do, do either of you co-sign that Y'all think Bayrod was paired up with uh, Constantine just to make sure that uh, this whole Constantine going darker and darker and darker into that uh, trippy magic uh, storyline sort of got dragged out a little bit more? Well, it did give us a character to observe that and comment on it. But I, I wouldn't call him aloof so much as, you know, high out of his mind. So not terribly Yes, he's not a reliable narrator. At this point, I do wonder if he's going to remember any of that. And uh, once Zarya 2.0 shows up, he can be like, you know what? There has been some strange stuff going on. And that might start Zarya 2.0 sort of sleuthing about and try to figure out exactly what's going down with Constantine. We'll have to wait and see. Ava and Gary were paired up together in this episode. And we saw a lot more just McCallan than I thought we were going to see, because she's directing the episode. And typically, when an actor directs an episode, their character is on the back burner, big time. But we got a lot of Ava in this episode. I mean, it was pretty much trying dresses on, and, you know, adding and adding and adding to a wedding dress. Veils upon veils, uh, flowers, and uh, I think at one point she had bells on. I mean, it was a lot. Uh, Gary was in a wedding dress. It was fantastic. Uh, Millie, your thoughts on Ava and Gary together. Gary distracting Ava so that she wouldn't know that Earth was missing uh, because it's being used as a bowling ball because this is Legends. Um, yeah, what would you think of Bayrod? Not Bayrod. Uh, Gary and Ava together. I loved all of it. I feel like it's been a while since we've gotten that pair up. And just the amount that Gary is invested in this wedding is great. Um, I love that we did get to see Jessica Allen more than I thought we would. And it was for, like, this awesome dress montage. Uh, and then somehow Gary had ended up with owls. It got her to get, like, such owls in her veil, which I thought was great. Oh, that's I what that was. Thought <laughs> yeah, I thought it was, like, Baby Bebos for a second, which would have been cool. But then it was owls. Ooh, but Baby um, Bebos. <laughs> But it, it was fun. It was a nice little uh, good pair off to put them somewhere in a good way. And then I personally thought Ava should have gone with the first dress she tied on. No need for all the distractions, but I understand where Gary was coming from. 
Okay, by first dress, do you mean the very first dress she tried, or the one where Gary talked about her shoulders? Because I like the one where he talked about the shoulders. That was my favorite dress. Oh, I like the very first one. Oh, you like the very first one? Yeah. Okay, Professor, we'll have you weigh into the fashion. Uh, the very first one was nice, but yes, the the shoulders one was the dress. I, I hope that's the dress she actually wears, uh, you know, for the wedding. Uh, that yeah, and I think that you know, if because if it hadn't been for Gary having to distract her, I think that would have been the one she would have chosen, and it it did look spectacular. Yeah, and I don't think the the last one because the last one just get it kept on getting like alterations and alterations. It didn't look like that was the same dress, so I don't feel like they fucked it up. So I feel like that dress is there pristine and nice so that she can eventually put that on whenever the uh, wedding ends up happening. But yes, um, yeah. So Millie, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe it's your dress, maybe it's the one the professor and I picked out. Uh, Gary was wearing a fetching dress, it might be that dress. Who knows? Beautifully set up, too, with him, you know, because he's coming up with all these things to distract her. You need lace and you need all these things. And then when he says you need a bustle, and then we cut to a shot of the wedding dress with the bustle, and then the reveal that that is actually Gary in the wedding dress with the bustle. Very nice touch. Fantastic. I loved his line at the beginning, like, I can't see you with the wedding dress on. And she's like, no, that's only for who I'm supposed to be marrying. It was fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, okay. Um... I feel like I covered everything. Uh, well, I mean, I will say, you know, as I said, Sarah does end up saving Earth, uh, which is always fantastic. We do get a happy ending. We haven't really talked about Buddy, uh, the uh, proprietor of the bowling alley. What do we think of him? I, I thought he was a really interesting, refreshing character. He was used a lot for exposition, but I really liked his, um, his interactions with uh, Sarah a lot. Yeah, he, he really was. I mean, you know, uh, dangerously close to falling into the trope of the magical Negro character. Uh, but, I, you know, that last scene he had where he recognized, uh, you know, the power in Constantine. I wonder whether we might see him again, whether he might be a character who comes back, uh, you know, because he's clearly sort of, you know, in, in the Marvel sense, we would call it a cosmically attuned character. Um, uh, and, you know, what he's doing, you know, has to be damn close to magic, um, you know, to to have done what he did and to be able to do what he does. Um, I would not be surprised to see uh, uh, Buddy make a return. That's interesting. Is that a Professor bold prediction? No, I wouldn't call it a bold okay. prediction, uh, but I do think it's possible. I think that, you know, uh, he, he was such an interesting character. He's obviously, you know, a caring, compassionate person who was just, you know, bound by the rules that he'd set up uh, in that place. Uh, and I think it, 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 it could be possible that uh, we might see him again. Uh, I would hope so. I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, of character uh, still to be developed uh, in him because he was just this sort of mysterious figure. And they didn't really get into it much. Like, you know, the, you've got this cosmic being who can, you know, warp planets and, and change them into bowling balls and, and all of that. And, uh, and no one seemed to think to ask, uh, hey, who the hell are you and how are you doing this? Very true. He can make some mean nachos, too. So there was that as well. And we also got the return of actor Nick Bishop. This is his third time on Legends. He was in the JFK episode. We saw him in the Wild West episode. We see him again. Uh, no one has said anything like, oh, you look familiar. So there is no running gag to it. 
Um, he is in a relationship with Jess McAllen, so, um, you know, there there is that perk. Um, you know, Jess McAllen, I'm directing, might as well bring you in again. Um, I did read somewhere that maybe the, the, the online sort of, like, thinking is the fact that uh, because of COVID, uh, and it's much, it, it is sort of much easier to bring in spouses or, you know, partners of people that are on the show versus having to cast, you know, people outside of the COVID bubble and that sort of thing, that maybe that's the reason why he keeps on popping up. I don't know if we're going to see him again, but uh, it's nice seeing him play another asshole type of character. They've been giving him the asshole characters, which is kind of funny. All right. Any other thoughts about the episode? Was there anything that I missed? A tiny little moment. Apparently, per a buddy, Constantine is going to die. So, um, stay tuned, y'all. Um, I loved uh, Sarah's line uh, at the end. And it was one of those, you know, sort of, you know, thrown away, almost thrown away in lines. But, uh, you know, uh, after having seen Ava in the, the, the hideous wedding dress, uh, you know, Sarah explaining on the grounds of, of uh, you know, sweetie, I love you too much to let you get married in that horrible dress. Uh, which was just a great way to deliver that line. Uh, I thought it was great. I agree with you on that, and also agree, and also just to sort of echo what you said uh, earlier in the episode, when she sees her for the first time in the dress, and clearly it's hideous. I mean, Jess McCallan is gorgeous. She could make a hideous, well, she did make a hideous dress look beautiful, but the fact that, that um, when she had her doubts, she was like, oh no, is it too much? Is it ugly? Like, she lied. I mean, she did you know, a little white lie, you know, about that white dress, but she was like, oh no, you look you know, beautiful or something, or whatever she said, but I like that she gave her a positive bit of affirmation, even though the dress had morphed into whatever that was, with hooting owls, apparently, according to Millie Wood. Yes. All right, so now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Millie Wood, you've been conspicuously quiet. Maybe you're bowling. Millie, do you bowl? Occasionally. I'm not a frequent bowler, but I can bowl. Okay. All right. She can throw it down. Millie, you're first. Who's your MVP and why? Oh, that's hard because this is this, and I feel like we say this often, but this feels like such an ensemble episode. Like everyone had an equal part. We weren't really focusing on one and everyone brought it and it was all fun in different ways, um, balancing the different storylines. But for me, I had to give my MVP to Spooner. I really enjoyed her this episode and I like the small moments she had with Mick. And then also, of course, Spooner is the one that knows how to bowl like a pro. So I thought that was really very in character and great. Not only like a pro, she knew how to bowl like a boss. It's fantastic. Professor? Do you bowl? And who's your MVP? Uh, I have bowled, but I've only bowled, uh, you know, uh, uh, small ball bowling. Uh, I've never done the uh, the big ball bowling. I think it's called candle pin bowling uh, in the uh, uh, American Northeast. Uh, anyway, I am so happy because by having, uh, you know, uh, Millie go first, you fall into my trap because that means I don't have to pick Spooner uh, because I was going to pick her purely for that uh, where she was doing, you know, that the maneuvers when she was doing her first when she was throwing her first ball um 
because again, you can't you when you're writing that it's just Spooner does something. And so it's entirely on the actor to figure out what are you going to do to make that uh, so hilarious. Uh, so my MVP is going to be Jess McCallum. Uh, this was a really well-directed episode. It has some great shots. Uh, you know, the shot of the ball going down and the camera going around. Uh, you know, it felt very competently directed. And she managed to, you know, not have to completely exclude herself uh, from the process. She had, you know, uh, those those scenes with her and Gary were hilarious. Uh, her back with the team uh, was great as well. So I I think she did a really good job both in terms of the acting uh and you know a very well directed episode for her first you know uh her first episode uh this one was really good and again it, it felt like everyone was having fun it was nice and relaxed and yeah nicely shot too fantastic choices from both of you i'm gonna give the mvp to tala ash because I feel like this is going to be the last time for at least for a moment that I'm going to be able to give the MVP to Zari Original Recipe. Um, so, I mean, I'm giving it to, Zar- to Zari. I, I thought she, that Tala Ash was really good in this episode. I thought her doubts seemed real. And I, I loved the affirmation that she got at the end. Um, seeing both of them, you know reunited feeling so good at the end of the episode was wonderful uh, i thought talash did a really good job and brought it in the in this episode with her character's arc and a quick little honorary shout out i just loved what amy louise pemberton did with gideon and her voice in this episode because gideon was also was very confused and flustered about the earth no longer being there because it was magicked into that cosmic bowling alley um amy louise pemberton will be playing gideon in the flesh next season so we will be seeing a whole lot of gideon a whole lot more yeah so stay tuned for that now it's time to rate the episode how would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten wave riders the point system is allowed and if you found the episode exceptional deserving of more than a ten you may grant it the coveted golden wave rider professor how would you rate jess mccallan's directorial debut I'm going to give it a nine, Uh, you know, very solid. The problem is that, you know, Legends is so consistently good that, you know, you you have to be spectacular, it seems, uh, to uh, uh, to really stand out from, you know, a string of, you know, some really, really great episodes. Um, uh, But, you know, as I said, you know, some great direction, some really nice shots, uh, good acting from everyone. Uh, You know, I laughed when Spooner was doing her. Um, uh, her bowling setup, and and I, I teared up a little bit when you had the shot of Jess McCallum looking at herself in the wedding dress, and uh, you know, and again, you know, I, I I've come to care about this bunch of of whacked out losers, and in a way that you know would have seemed impossible. You're mentioning you know six and a half seasons, you know, after the first season of this show, I, I wouldn't have imagined it was possible that we would still be here talking about it, and that I would actually care about and look forward to watching these guys, but I do, and this was you know just a another typically very very good episode. I like it. It's a round of cherry cokes for all of us. Millie Wood, what about you? How would you rate this episode? I'll have to give it an 8.9 Wave Riders. I think that, echo everything the professor said, I think it was well-directed, acting was really good. The one qualm I had was just the plot in general just felt very light. There wasn't a lot of resolution um, into, like, you know, did the red team get put back and and what happened to the bad guys? It just felt like there wasn't much there, but it was just a fun, enjoyable episode. So we, it was more like a ease us back into the Legends kind of feel. So overall, 8.9. Millie Wood, you're so petty, and I love it. I, I love it so much. It, it it brings me joy. I can't be as petty as you at 
but I, I, I like, I want to grow up to be as petty as you. Can I? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> She's like, I will give you lessons <laughs> three times a week. Um, I'm going to agree with the professor. I'll give it a nine. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a solid hour of Legends. It was hella entertaining. It's very rewatchable. The fact that all of the plots tied in together to that one overall plot of the um, the bowling, Cosmic Bowling Alley, was brilliant. Um, at, the, at the beginning of the episode, I was like, okay, so we're going to have like three different plots, whatever. It'll be fine, because it's Legends, and they've juggled plots like that before. The fact that they all, you know, became one story, you know, by the last 15 minutes was fantastic. It was a silly story, but it worked in true Legends fashion. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Time Masters. Here's our announcer, Gidget, to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you, Captain. Follow Perpetulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Perpetulo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at perpetuoradio.com. Are you interested in joining the Perpetulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at perpetuoradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Perpetulo Radio programs by visiting perpetuoradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Time Masters and subscribe. Back to you, my captain. Thanks, Gidget. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. And Professor X. Good night, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Time Masters every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night.